Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good afternoon, folks, wherever the heck in the world you are. It's V the Grill Economist coming to you live on this. I come to you recorded on this edition of Rogue News, hanging with Harley. We have Harley Schlanger here, a man who needs no introduction. You can find him over at LaRoucheOrganization.com, LaRoucheOrganization.com, as well as the Schiller Institute.com, as well as Schiller Institute.com. And with that being said, Harley, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty well, all things considered. Fantastic. Harley, lots going on. Uh, the, the, the situation in Eurasia, and it also looks like that Boris Johnson has uh, canceled COVID. Uh, I think he got the letter from the city of London to knock it off. And uh, Israel is abandoning the vaccine passes. And it looks like all of a sudden, suddenly, the narrative is starting to change. We had Bill Gates uh, on CNBC saying that we must fight climate change now. Uh, the World Economic Forum says, uh, we need to tackle uh, climate change the same way that we tackled uh, the pandemic. Uh, Pfizer's about ready to roll out the pill. Uh, home treatments are all of a sudden becoming available. And now it's back to the climate change and then war. And where do you want to begin? There's so much going on. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that Pfizer has a pill to stop climate change. Oh, they're working on that, Harley. They're working on that. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm sure Pfizer is trying to figure out how to get in on the carbon swaps. Oh, 100%. <laughs> That's where we're going. Well, you know, I, I think if you go back and look at the history of the so-called Spanish flu, uh, there were mutations, and the, the last mutation was somewhat similar to what we're seeing with Omicron. You know, I, I think, I know a lot of people are going to jump all over the place on, on this, these latest developments. Uh, and I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed because they were hoping that this was going to continue forever so they could continue to claim that Bill Gates is running the world. But what they're going to find is that we have something at this point that's a, an extremely serious crisis, which is it doesn't appear that the Biden administration, or at least the functionaries of the Biden administration like Blinken and Averill Haynes and others, <clears throat> have figured out that the Russians are serious in saying that they need security guarantees or they will take some kind of technical military action. Now, of course, the US intelligence is saying that Putin is going to invade Ukraine. Uh, you know, Biden goes back and forth on this. One minute he says, well, maybe a minor incursion. The next minute he says, if uh, the soldiers come, there will be consequences. But I think one thing people should pay attention to Biden has now said the United States will not engage troops in Ukraine. Uh, he's also said that he's willing to discuss the question of the deployment of weapons, the placement of weapons inside Ukraine. Now, Blinken is on a completely different path. Blinken is, is out of his mind. He met with uh, the Zelensky in Kiev on Wednesday and tried to calm Zelensky down a little bit. But then he met with his German and French and British counterparts. And then I haven't gotten the full report on the meeting with um, Lavrov today, 
But Blinken went into it saying uh, he doesn't think they're going to get anywhere. So if you stick with the status quo, you have to realize that Putin is absolutely serious when he says that Russia cannot allow Ukraine to join NATO and cannot tolerate offensive weapons or even the so-called defensive weapons where you can turn a switch and turn them into offensive weapons in a minute within four to five minutes flight time of Moscow. So this is a very serious problem. Uh, I don't have any confidence in the uh, administration on this. And I, I think the bigger question here is, who really is speaking for the administration? Is it Biden? Is it Blinken? Uh, is it Mitch McConnell? Uh, at this point, it's hard to tell. It is hard to tell. And you see a very disjointed administration. Um, it's in total disarray. The fact that there's no, con uh, there's no continuity uh, within the plans, within the administration, the fact that there's no fluidity with what they're doing, everything is knee-jerk, everything is very amateurish, and it's indicative of a collapse within Washington, D.C. itself in general. Uh, it's turning out to be quite a mess here, Harley. Well, it's in both parties. Yes, absolutely. You, you see the, whenever there's a congressional inquiry, for example, whether it's January 6th or whether it's the inflation question or what to do on energy, uh, there are set positions which are ideologically rigid, which have nothing to do with the actual crisis. For example, the Republican position on inflation is it's too much government spending. The Democrats have now bought into this line that, well, you can spend as much as you want and don't worry about it, although they now realize that inflation is not transitory. But there's no discussion. The, the elephant in the room on this is what's been reported by Wall Street on Parade the last week, which is $14 trillion in new bailout money since the fourth quarter of 2019, most of which has gone to six major banks, three of which, uh, Citibank, JP Morgan Chase, and uh, what's the third one? Uh, Goldman Sachs. Three of them are the essential owners of the New York Fed. So right. the New York Fed is extending $8 trillion to those three banks who then use it to shore up their derivative positions because what's being reported now based on the Federal Reserve releasing the figures from the fourth quarter of 2019, isn't that nice that two years later they released the figures? <laughs> but what comes out on that is that there was a some kind of derivative blowout may have been related to the Thomas Cook bankruptcy, probably not. It was probably bigger of around $2.6 trillion that they had to cover. And so they went into hyperspace with the repo lending and went from 20 billion a night to up to 150 billion a night, 11 trillion in the fourth quarter of 2019. And then since then, it's the official figures are not out yet. But the estimates are coming out that it might be another 14 trillion since the first quarter of 2020. So you think that might have something to do with inflation, all that funny money going into speculative bubbles? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And in the meantime, 
If you're a big bank that's sitting there holding a lot of junk bonds and, and worthless financial instruments, you have access to the new credit coming from the Fed. If you're a small business, if you're a manufacturer, if you're a research and development firm, you can't get credit uh, from a bank. You might be able to get it from a venture capital firm or a hedge fund, but you're going to pay a very high rate for it because they're already pricing in the expectation that the prime rates are going to start going. Uh, you know, what's his name? Powell has been promising this now for six months. Right. But, but at some point now they're talking about three interest rate hikes. Jamie Dimon said there'll be six or seven. And I would tend to believe Jamie Dimon before I believe Powell, since in a sense, Jamie Dimon is Powell's boss. Absolutely. So in the meantime, you see Biden kind of popping in and out of uh, events, talking about how he's going to make sure that the average guy doesn't get hurt. He doesn't know what to do. Uh, <laughs> Used car salesman from, uh, from Scranton, Pennsylvania is going to make sure that, that the average guy is not going to get hurt, Harley. We can all rest easy now. Yeah. Well, and the, the, the real thing that's going to come up from this is that the, there's going to be a consolidation of the banks. They're going to be shutting down more of the smaller banks because oh, yeah. they can't make any money if they don't have any credit to give out. And so we're ending up in a, a situation where the physical economy of the United States is going to crash. Uh, it's already been hollowed out, but Correct. Biden's Build Back Better has almost no money going to real infrastructure. Correct. And so you're, you're dealing with a situation which is out of control. Yeah. You know, th th and that's the problem. See, once the parasite that is known as the fire economy, finance, insurance, real estate, has taken over, which in a healthy economy could be no more than 20%, maybe 10, 15% should be, you know, the fire economy. The rest should be an actual physical production-based economy. The problem becomes is that the, the, the creators, the purveyors, the ones who are at the helm of this fire economy will never, ever, ever, ever allow you to build up an industrial base ever again because industry and physical production is their worst enemy. They cannot speculate the way they speculate if you have physical production. When you, don't, when you have the least amount of physical production, the better you can fudge the economic numbers, the better fraud you can commit, the better, uh, uh, the better non-accountability you will have. And this is exactly what these, these creatures want, Harley. Well, and what they're doing is they're making sure that the speculative system remains, that the speculative system, even worthless instruments are still being traded because of the money flowing in from the Fed. Right. And that way, that's where the repo money came from. The, the repo money was given to the banks and the banks gave it to their corporate uh, controllers. Their, I'm sorry, their corporate lenders and kept them in business, even if they were junk bonds. And here's the other point of this. The whole world or much of the world is turning its back on this. It's no longer going along with it. And this is where you see the so-called Eurasian perspective starting to emerge. That what China's doing with the Belt and Road, the China-Russia alliance, the Russian-Iran agreement. I don't know if you saw this, V, but there was just an agreement between China and Syria to have Syria join the Belt and Road Initiative. These are investments in physical economy, 
unlike what we're seeing in the West. Now, the only way the Western system is going to survive is as a new imperial colonial system, which loots poorer countries. What happens if those poorer countries turn to Russia and China? And the banks that have been set up, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization Bank, the Chinese Development Bank, and so on, and can get credit from them to invest in physical economy, they're going to turn their back on the petrodollar system. And that's the, the main reason why the West is raising the stink around Ukraine when Putin has raised some very serious uh, responsible questions about Russia's security if you start placing offensive weapons in Ukraine four to five minutes from Moscow. So I think people have to step back from the fog coming out of the media and recognize the interrelationship between the collapse of the financial system in the West, the emergence of Eurasia as a hard money, hard physical economy, and the threats for war in places like Taiwan and Ukraine. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. You know, it's it's um, it's remarkable to see this, you know, and I don't know how things are going to be playing out here, Harley. I mean, especially the next coming, especially this year, 2022 is going to be a very pivotal year. What do you think is on the horizon uh, that, we're, that we need to pay attention to in terms of what is happening in, in the EU, the recent events in the UK, the thing with Prince Andrew, and then what's happening here in the US? It's, it's just so much to take in. Well, there's not a government that's safe if it's going to conduct the stupid things that NATO is doing, which threaten their populations. Correct. I mean, if NATO is serious about defending Ukraine in case there is a Russian invasion, and I don't think Putin's going to invade, I think if, if anything, they may react to a false flag event by just going in and crushing some of the Ukrainian forces there. You know, Ukraine has half of its military now camped on the Dnieper River, which is the dividing line between the so-called Russian republics and the rest of Ukraine. Now, the EU and NATO really are, are not powerful forces. NATO is, is powerful because of the United States. Is Biden going to risk a nuclear war to defend the corrupt oligarchs of Ukraine? I don't think so. And the US has a very bad hand there because the Russians have upgraded their military. That's their turf. You know, if you look at a map, you'll see Russia borders Ukraine. Uh, the United States is pretty far away. Countries like Poland and Latvia and Lithuania are scared to death of what the Russians might do. But the reason they're scared is they're reading the US intelligence reports. People who know Russia know that Putin is not going to do something drastic unless he's forced to do it. But he's given Biden a way out. All Biden has to say is Ukraine is not going into NATO. Ukraine could be a buffer state, which it had been in the past. And secondly, no offensive weapons will be placed on Ukraine that could be used against Russia. Now, that's somewhat like what John Kennedy worked out with Khrushchev in 1962, where both sides made concessions. The US got the Russians to take down the Soviets, I should say, to take down their missiles in Cuba. And in return, we shut down antiquated uh, air bases in Turkey. You can come up with a face-saving measure. The problem is with someone like Blinken, with someone like Victoria Nuland, 
their whole career is based on using Ukraine to shove their thumb into the eye of the Russian government. And Putin is not going to be pushed around. Now, that doesn't mean he's out looking for war, but he's created a circumstance where we can get out of this thing without any uh, blowups. Now, the other thing is Ukraine has to deal with the fact that they've got a fairly significant minority faction in their defense and security forces who are neo-Nazis. And here's an interesting irony. In the United States, where the Biden administration is out hunting for white supremacists and Nazis under every rock and stone they can find, meanwhile, we're providing uh, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars of weapons to a military that, that's largely under the control of neo-fascists. So this has to be exposed. We're going to, we keep bringing it out. There are a few people that bring it out, but it's really, the American people have to know we're giving weapons to people whose grandfathers killed Jews and Poles and Hungarians and Russians in Ukraine working with the Nazi SS. That's who we're arming in Ukraine. That's exactly what it is. The Azov Brigade, the Svoboda, uh, the the latest thing where they were venerating this uh, World War II Nazi sympathizer. Stefan, Stefan Bandera. Yep. Unbelievable. That's all they got left. That's all they have left. It's absolute lunacy, Harley. Well, and you know, Putin knows it. And to tell you the truth, a lot of people in Europe know it, but they're scared. They they knuckle under to the, the US and London on this. Now, one of the reasons there may be some wiggle room is because London is in a complete state of chaos. The, the city of London's doing fine. They're just robbing and stealing the way they always do. But the Johnson administration is in big trouble. The royal family's in trouble, as you mentioned with Prince Andrew. And the economy in, in the United Kingdom is not doing very well uh, because so far they didn't get the jump they expected with uh, Brexit because there's no trade agreement with the United States and they're in trouble with their relations with China and Russia. So I, I think there, there's going to there'll definitely be a lot of change in the days and weeks ahead. It could be very bad. On the other hand, we could be looking at the dawning of a new paradigm, which it would be in, including a major role for the Eurasian countries, especially China, Russia. Europe is already orienting that way. The Germans are not going along with the US on Ukraine. They're not allowing weapons to be flown in over Germany. They're not providing weapons. And they're also talking about the need to mediate with both Russia and China against the EU crazies who are trying to shut down the North Stream 2 and so on. So there's a lot of potential, but I think the problem is most people in the United States don't have a clue of what's going on there. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Harley Schlanger, thank you so much for joining us. Folks, again, go check him out. LaRouchePack. I'm sorry, LaRoucheOrganization.com, LaRoucheOrganization.com. Dot com and schillerinstitute.com the schillerinstitute.com and with that being said hardly any last minute words uh well if people are interested tomorrow we're going to have a very interesting event at uh i think it's 2 p.m on the schiller institute site which is going to be taking up the in-depth this question of the russian u.s crisis 
Uh, I have an interview with a, a very prominent Russia expert. We have someone from uh, the Russian side who's going to be speaking, and I think it'll be very interesting for people. Very well said, Harley. Thank you so much for joining us, folks. And with that being said, have a wonderful weekend.